This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Much like the body, the mind is capable of healing itself naturally. Psychologist and creator of Brain Spotting, Dr. David Grand, believes the way people look and gaze can affect their feelings. The goal of Brain Spotting is to enable people to target negative emotions by positioning their eyes in a certain way. Through trained brain spotting therapists, one's eyes are slowly guided across the field of vision until a brain spot becomes apparent a location that evokes traumatic memories or painful emotions. There's increasing evidence that trauma is stored in the body and that it can alter the way the brain works. Trauma can, for example, have an effect on emotions, memory, and physical health. Brain spotting seems to activate the body's innate ability to heal itself from trauma. Disturbing memories can be replaced in the brain, resulting in painful feelings being exchanged for more resolved, peaceful things. Brain spotting makes use of this natural phenomenon through its use of relevant eye positions. This helps the brain spotting therapist locate, focus, process, and release a wide range of emotionally and bodily-based conditions. It is also a brain-based tool to support the therapy relationship as it taps into and harnesses the body's natural self-scanning, self-healing ability. Valeria interviews Susan Martin. She is a board-certified marriage and family therapist, practicing psychotherapy in a thriving private practice in Boise, Idaho. She is the founder of Susan Martin Therapy and Wellness, working with adults struggling with the lasting effects of trauma, including developmental trauma experiences. Susan is certified in brain spotting, a progressive and cutting-edge approach to treating the central nervous system's adverse responses to current life stressors. Susan helps clients who feel their past is keeping them from living their best futures, those whose bodies are tired of existing in survival mode, and those who are struggling with their relationships because of the somatic stress living with an always activated central nervous system. Susan also specializes in depression, anxiety, the effects of shame, attachment wounds, and life and family changes in transition emotional health, nervous system health, neurobiology, and overall physical wellness are her passions. Her approach to her work is to treat the whole person and reach root causes of symptoms. Also a certified life coach, Susan is currently developing a program to help heal and empower today's high-achieving, busy, must-do-it-all women who are lost in people-pleasing, drowning in expectations, and don't feel they have control of their lives to be authentically present, have deeper human connections, and have lasting healing from their pasts. 
As an adopted adult continually growing and rejuvenating from her own proverbial trauma, Susan feels deeply and is sensitive to the world around her. Susan's work represents a second career, earning her Master's of Arts in Marriage and Family Therapy from North Central's School of Behavioral Sciences in her 40s as a busy wife and mother of two teenaged girls. Always an integral focus in her work with clients are resilience, purpose, gratitude, and of course, joy. Her favorite quote is from the great Viktor Frankl, famed psychiatrist, Holocaust survivor, and author of Man's Search for Meaning. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Meet Susan at SusanMartinTherapy.com. Here's the interview with Susan Martin. In your own words, who is Susan Martin? In my own words, I am, I am a, a woman, a mother, a daughter, a wife, a therapist, a friend, and I am very sensitive. I'm very passionate. <laughs> I am a giver, a server. I, I want to help. And um, I am a life learner. Mm, Absolutely. I think, I think that is probably the biggest piece is the life learner. Um, You know, it's interesting as I, as I mentioned all of those different roles that I play in my life, being that life learner, especially within relationships and the relationship I have with myself, with, with all of my loved ones, with my work, with my clients, being a life learner is really, I would say at the core of who I am. Yes. Wow. I love that. Yeah. There's something about being open to learn and, and not just learn, but unlearn as well. Correct. That yes. inspires me. So I guess you inspired me now with this, uh, with the answer to that question of who you are. Life learner. What are some of the qualities that you could describe being a life learner? How would you define that as um, in a description? <laughs> A, just a desire, a desire for insight, for knowledge, for connection. I love history. I love history. I love looking back a little bit and looking back, even from even an anthropological perspective, right? To look back um, at humanity and what brought us here and what can bring us moving forward. That desire to connect with history, to connect with the present, of course, Passion, excitement, yeah. Characteristics-wise, that's kind of what comes to mind. Right, yeah. Would you actually say making healthy connections with Absolutely. our... Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was learning. trying to refine. Yes, and learning about those connections, right? Uh, learning about yeah, connection. Yeah. And, of course, we're, we're in, in, that, in that learning perspective. Um, how can we enhance connections? Um, what makes, what makes those connections healthier with one, one individual versus another with yourself, um, those differences and what connections are informed by what, what do, what does everybody bring to the table within their connections and within their relationships? You know, being curious about that curiosity. Oh, so Mm. good. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's a big one. Big one. Yes. 
being open, receptive to right to what's new in in the way of thinking differently, feeling differently. There's something about fixed ideas and in thinking that it's just it doesn't really resonate well with life itself when we see that's you know life it's it's change constant it's constantly changing it's so dynamic so it almost asks for that right susan like for us to become more open to absolutely yes i mean we nobody lives in a nobody lives in a box right right <laughs> we, can't put, we can't put ourselves in a box or anyone else in a box we have to be curious and and look outside of ourselves right 100% and that surprises me a lot to see within you know my family members people who have actually held for so long these fixed thoughts about themselves and life and the past and other people. It really surprised me. How did they stay that way? Because it's almost a calling, right, from life itself to right to catch up with it and to move yeah. with it. Correct. Uh, correct. Yeah, it really but, surprised uh, me. Yeah, calling is is scary. It's fear, uh, right? Yes, yes. Yes, it's that fear mm. of of change, the fear of of growth, and what that might mean. Yeah, what what could be uncovered? <laughs> mm. Yes, you know. Yeah, the fear of accountability and change is what I is what comes up for me when I hear you uh. kind of talk about that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's a huge piece. Yeah, fear. Yeah. Hey, this is it might be at the core of what you do as a therapist and life coach. Kind of working with those blockages, parts mm-hmm. of, of us that are kind of resisting change. Yeah. So I would love to hear from you. I know which is almost like the the, the conversation today is just taking its its own life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that when it just happens. <laughs> I didn't plan to ask you these questions. So talk to me about fear. How do you interact with it? How do you connect with fear within your own life? And then how you teach others to do the same? Wow. Connecting with fear in my own life. You know, I have to tell you what comes up for me when I hear you ask that is wisdom and maturity and being Gosh, you know, being a woman in my early 50s now, um, it, I feel like it's probably taken me this long to really understand fear in my own life and the role it plays and the importance of going toe to toe with that fear. Fear is an emotion. Fear is something that innately, innately makes us human. Fear is Again, something I wish more people would be curious about instead of resist or fight or feel like it's something that needs to be avoided. Fear is is something, like I said, it's innately part of being human. And how we respond to our fears is is really where our growth and our healing can start. That's really where it kind of has to start. For in in my work, it's providing a space to be curious about someone's fears and to normalize them and to um, build a level of comfort, right? How do we get more comfortable with something? We get to know it. We need to get to know our fear and, and look at it really a little bit more objectively and say, okay, I have, the, I have this fear. It's really holding me back. Um, let's be curious about what we think is informing that fear, Wow. Yeah. And that can take, as you said, it might take a lifetime for some of us 
to yes. create that relationship, right? The connection yes. with fear, the healthy connection yes. with fear. Oh, I love what he said. I mean, what's that to love about that? I heard recently somebody say that we don't become fearless. We just gain more courage. That resonated true. It, basically, that's what you said too. The fear is part of life, right? It's innate. It is. It is. Absolutely. So another open question for you, Susan, is that's one that I have uh, programmed here. Trauma. How do you define the term, the concept of trauma these days? Wow, that's a big one. Trauma is definitely something that is a little bit of a buzzword these days, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, it really is. It, it, it's so different for everybody. I mean, we are all such unique biochemical beings and our responses to life stressors or things helping happening out external from us are going to be different for everybody. So that, you know, trauma, something really traumatic for you might not be, you know, my nervous system might not respond in the same way. And I might not think of that as, as very traumatic for myself or vice versa. Right. And it's just, it's such an intensely personal experience a lot of what determines what one nervous system defines as trauma versus another would be, you know, resilience levels, self-worth levels, emotional awareness, emotional management ways, your values, your morals, quality of your support around you, um, your spirituality, your worldviews. I mean, it's all kinds of, you know, very unique, intensely personal factors into what one nervous system determines is really traumatic versus another. Yes, because I have heard a lot about um, trauma with the capital T and the small t. So uh -huh. yeah, and then that never resonated with me, the idea, because I have had all kinds of traumas and I clearly remember being affected by them almost equally. Yes. It varies from person to person, right? Yes, the way absolutely. we are wired. 100%. It's informed our responses yes. to what our culture, our society defines as trauma is going to be informed by so many of these individual things. And I, I'm not sure I super buy into the little T, big T trauma. Um, I really believe, like you were saying, trauma is trauma is trauma. Um, you know, if we start defining things you know, I don't know that that really can be very clearly defined. It's like pathologizing somebody just because they have a certain set of symptoms. Well, you know, can we really, I mean, we need to really look at that really closely and to make that determination. And like I said, I think it's, I, I, I'm not a big little T, big T trauma person. It's straight across the board, just T. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how I feel. Yeah, that yeah. too. For some reason, yeah, being a trauma I usually don't say survivor, I say thriver. <laughs> it's more inspiring to me in a way, not denying, of course, the best. But talk to me, and this might be a good moment to talk about your experience with trauma, Susan, if you don't mind. Yes, no, not at all. So I am going to venture to say that my <laughs> trauma actually began in my life the moment I took my first breath. Um, an adoptee, I was relinquished at birth from my birth mother and I was placed in foster care and I was in foster care for a, a good amount of time and then ultimately placed into my adoptive family. So uh, my trauma, my nervous system began the distrust of the world and the hypervigilance to take care of myself at an extremely young age, 
with all of the multiple disruptions that I experienced. And um, I am, I feel really confident in saying that those early experiences, those implicit memories, that pre-verbal trauma that I experienced really laid a foundation for my life. Right. And um, really set me on a quest (laughs) to um, get to know that trauma, to understand all of my different life stages where I can still clearly now, looking back, understand why I was feeling those different ways at these different life stages as a child, as an adolescent, as a teenager, as a young adult, that I went through all of those phases and experienced the effects of my early trauma in different ways in all of those phases. And it, it really has been the springboard for, for me in understanding my own nervous system and how it responded back in those early hours of my life and how it's affected me today as an adult and ultimately to becoming a psychotherapist. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. That inspired you, of course, yeah, to do what you do today. How amazing. I never heard about the pre-verbal trauma yeah, oh, I never heard yes. of this before. Yeah, I read on your bio and in your bio, and that caught my attention immediately. Pre-verbal, um, that's Correct. being traumatized before we can verbalize it, we can speak um, or understand, right? So, Correct. Your brain and your body are still taking in those experiences. An infant's, you know, undeveloped brain. Um, you know, even when it takes its first breath, its, its brain immediately starts scanning the environment, scanning the world around it. Where am I going to get my care? Where, who's going to keep me warm? Who's going to hold me? How, where's my attachment person, my primary caregiver? Um, and, and it starts making determinations about the environment and begins to trust or not when those needs are met or not. And the, the nervous system also, it, 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 has the ability to be so intuitive and, and mm. know that something's off here, something's wrong, something's not right, something's so unfamiliar, what's happening here? But because of the undeveloped brain, it doesn't have the ability to interpret the why. You know, we can't verbally process, we can't go to talk therapy and verbally process, we can't do those things as, you know, a, a pre-verbal human. And, and so the body holds on to what's happening to it. And that's where things start in the nervous system. Wow. And then we carry that from for life, of course. Yes, we do. That's amazing. It has been, of course, my experience too. And a lot of times when I say that word, I have listened to some of the episodes, me saying that, of course, like that, I have been traumatized, almost mm-hmm. as if all of us have been traumatized at some point. Oh, yes. Yes, Absolutely. Yes, we live in a we live in a crazy broken world. <laughs> and 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 our nervous systems are going to respond in some level. So thank you for sharing that. I read that in your bio and that, that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask. The other one is about how do you feel about the healing modalities that have helped you with trauma? Would you say that one was more effective than the other or was a combination of them for you? You know, I would say it was a it was very much a combination of modalities. I've been in and out of therapy since the age of 19, so essentially all of my adult life. 
And, but I will say that when I was introduced to first EMDR and then subsequently brain spotting, I, something for me personally really clicked when I started integrating the brain and body work. Um, it made so much sense to me. It just, everything just really clicked when I did brain spotting, especially and um, I was in, I was able to be the most vulnerable when I was doing brain spotting. It just it it's it's such a grace filled, fluid and curious modality. And it wasn't really structured. Um, it challenges you in the most unique ways. And so that was I really resonated the most with. EMDR and brain spotting, but really mostly brain spotting. And um, when I started doing brain spotting with my own clients and seeing being on the other side of the of the the spectrum and seeing watching people process these emotion this this pent up emotional energy, it just it's it's the most incredible thing. It's it's the biggest gift in my work is wow. watching people process this emotional energy, yeah. and huh. it's changed my practice. It's changed the way I work with my clients, and it helped me the most. And now I can provide that platform for my clients. It, that's I guess that's the answer I wanted to hear. Very clear answer. So brain spotting. I wonder why it's not as known as a healing modality as EMDR because. I didn't. I don't hear about brain spotting as yeah, much. Yeah, you know, um, it is absolutely becoming more and more prevalent and more um, well known. It's being studied more and more. Um, you know, EMDR uh, was started in the seventies. You know, Dr. Francine Shapiro, she started um, and and sort of discovered the entire concept of EMDR back in the seventies. But even you know, in the it was in the two thousands, the late you know. Um, 90s and 2000s where EMDR really took off. I mean, it was 20 years and um, before the studies really, you know, the longitudinal studies were able to come out and really show the effectiveness and and such. Brain spotting, you know, early 2000s. And so we're right at that spot where EMDR 20 years ago became really much more well-known and brain spotting is now at that time frame, I believe, where it's becoming more and more used and studied. And those studies are now coming out more and more. The ones I, I sent you, of course, kind of reveal that. And so, you know, it is definitely becoming a modality that is becoming more studied, more more t- training. I, I think upwards of 13,000 now clinicians internationally are practicing brain spotting or have been trained and certified in brain spotting. So it's growing very, very quickly. That's great to know, given the effectiveness, because I did interview somebody else recently, as I mentioned, off record mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. And I could not believe the, the way she spoke about brain spotting. One of the things that really stayed with me that she mentioned from her experience personally and professionally as a therapist that allowed her to be open, to be receptive for whatever unfolded in the moment with her clients. Yeah. Yeah, you heard me mention that grace and that mm, fluidity yes, and that curiosity. Yes, that <laughs> yes. Part of it, the dual attunement between client and therapist, as well as that 
that openness and that curiosity and just allowing the client's brain and body go to where it needs to go is the heart of brain spotting. And that is just where the magic is, really. Mm, Yes. See, that was something that uh, it opened my heart, I guess, because it has to do with the core meaning of connection, which is really being present to what is present not trying to control or kind of not trying to add any preconceived ideas that we have about whatever it is, just letting the moment and what is here to unfold. There's something about that that really, I mean, I, I, I go back to spirituality because this is the way I have healed, per se, a lot of parts of me when it comes to trauma through spiritual practices. But there's something about brain spotting when she said that, that it really yeah, it resonated deeply with me and it, it never went away, that particular quality. So for those who don't know, Susan, a bit more about brain spotting. How does it work? How long would take us, somebody with a long history of trauma, how long would take them, how many sessions per se, to uncover, unbird some of those heavy symptoms of trauma? Sure, sure. You know, and again, I'll go back to every single human is their own biochemical being. And, er, you know, all of those things that are informing all of those experiences, all of those um, narratives, all of the whatever makes a person human is is going to be factored into that answer. And so, um, you know, the, the really wonderful thing about brain spotting is that I could meet a stranger on the street and we could sit down together and we could do brain spotting and it would be effective and it would be amazing because (laughs) you actually don't need to go into all of the details of the trauma. Of course, you know, a biopsychosocial assessment of anybody is going to be healthy and good as far as context and of their traumas and, and, and getting to know them a little bit as a person. Correct. Right. But, when it comes down to brain spotting, it's not about, this is what's so wonderful too, is that a lot of trauma survivors are worried about going to therapy, but they don't want to be re-traumatized. Right. Okay. So brain spotting is not about re-traumatizing. It's only about identifying and feeling the associated emotions around the trauma. Okay. So, you know, I could meet a stranger on the street and we could get to know each other for a little bit and we could sit down and we could do brain spotting and, 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 and really help that, that client, you know, that person connect with those emotions and, and allow themselves, allow their nervous system to release that emotional energy. So to answer your question, I mean, we could do, I could meet with someone and we could do brain spotting one time. And, you know, it could, it could help, it could release all of those associated unprocessed emotions around a specific trauma. It could also provide quite a domino effect of getting to the heart and the root cause of someone's, you know, experiences that sort of just wipes the slate clean. It's, it's just, it's so unique to everybody. Um, I will say that in my practice, Um, I ask my clients the question, what do you need today? And so they can tell me, look, I really want to do some brain spotting today, Susan, or I really just want to process verbally something with you, or, um, I just have a couple questions for you or 
you know, they tell me what they're needing. And I, I never assume that I know what a client needs in any given moment. Um, so, you know, I have clients who I've seen for many, many months. I have clients who just come for a month or two or whatever, a couple of sessions, um, and they're good. So does that make sense as far as that oh, wow. um, uniqueness yes. to everybody and, um, and just being curious about their healing? Um, the other thing to consider is that sometimes in brain spotting, um, and this is the case with EMDR, any trauma work, is dissociation. So mm-hmm. yeah. assessing for any dissociation within someone's nervous system and really shutting down or resisting or having that great fear of going to those emotions Sometimes we have to break that down a little bit before we can really dive in and process. So that can take some time. Again, it's, it's intensely personal and unique to every every person. Yes. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me. And I absolutely love the practice. I fell in love with it when I heard from this other therapist that I just spoke, Maria, her name recently. And then now again, you're just emphasizing the, the beautiful qualities of brain spotting. A question that came to me is about online versus in person. Do you do, you do both and are they this as effective uh, on the virtual kind of version of brain spotting? Is it as effective as doing it in person? Susan? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Ah. Brain spotting in person versus online. And again, I, I mentioned before the real the real um, uniqueness of brain spotting is that client therapist attunement, that dual attunement while a person is processing. And that can absolutely happen virtually. It doesn't have to be in person. There are a couple of things, a couple of setups that I like to provide clients who I am working with virtually before we dive in just to, you know, make sure we have all of our, you know, systems in place, devices, um, the bilateral sounds, of course, I want to make sure they have that. That's a big piece of both um, EMDR and brain spotting is the bilateral brain stimulation. And brain spotting, we do it auditorily. So there's a couple of, you know, housekeeping items we have to kind of make sure kind of in place to, to do brain spotting virtually. But it is absolutely just as, as effective. That's wonderful to know. Yes, yeah. that's really wonderful to know. Another question is about the goal of brain spotting. What would that be beyond the regulation of the nervous system? Well, um, the regulation of the nervous system, and that would be a desensitization of the nervous system. Okay, so that's kind of that ultimate goal is to desensitize the nervous system to the to the the, the triggers that is everyday life, right? Um, mm, I know I, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the word triggers, but <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> Me too. so overused and everything else. But, <laughs> yes. um, you know, bottom line is people come to therapy and want to do this body work because of the way their the maladaptive way their nervous system is responding to what's happening in their life. Okay. And the way that their nervous system, the maladaptive piece is that sensitivity, Right. Um, the hypervigilance, the, the startle responses, the, um, the the panic episodes that your body just, you know, wants, it needs to release that energy and it kind of just takes over of the nervous system so that that person, because we can't change the past, it's happened, but we can help the nervous system manage 
existing in the world, in that person's life, without being so highly triggered because of that sensitivity. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. That's the oh, goal. it does. Yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> ah, and that's a wonderful one. <laughs> what right. else do we need? <laughs> what else do we want? <laughs> but to be present. To be your authentic self, to be the person you were born to be and have, you know, to be able to make decisions with clarity and to not be so triggered when your partner says you know, or does X, Y, Z, you know, um, it helps in the relationship quality. It, it helps with um, moods and, and your outlook and all of that because your nervous system is feeling in, 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 in more grounded in this parasympathetic state. Mm. Yes, that's it. That's I mean, I love that you mentioned the the term authentic self. Just be, which to me it connects to the present. Just being present to what is present again. Being yeah, like you said, clear about what's happening here, so I can respond to what is Correct. here in uh, in the past or future. Another, there's something else about brain spotting that I learned. So brain spotting techniques. So there are four different kinds of techniques. I see the use of visual field yes, and then dual yes. attunement, uh-huh. as you mentioned earlier, frame, and then focused mindfulness and then resource spotting. Are they, do you use all of these techniques um, within a really session? Depends. Or you- and it's just a matter of, you know, uh, reading reading the room, so to speak, reading your client um, and really assessing kind of what they might need to better connect with those emotions. Or, um, you know, we do something, you know, body resourcing um, where instead of going straight to where in the body, the, you know, that unprocessed emotional energy is because sometimes that can just be too intense or too much. So we'll find a resource spot in the body. Um, you know, tell me where in your body does it feel more grounded, neutral, or calm? And and really assess that resource and then go back to where in the body the trauma uh, um, emotional energy is being held. Um, there's, there's a, there's a, a whole bunch of things you can do. Um, there's one eye, um, processing, there's, um, you know, processing, um, on a close spot versus a distant using the Z access processing. Um, there's all kinds of different kind of little techniques and tools we have in our tool belt to be able to utilize. Should we feel that the the client might benefit from doing that versus just straight up, you know, brain spotting? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I love that too. Because again, it's going back to that intuitive kind of process of knowing what it's needed, what the client needs. So I love that about therapists. I have to say I've never did therapy before. I think probably one session in my life. Oh, you need to change that. <laughs> yeah, I actually needed, boy, I needed yes. therapy for so long. But I, for some reason, spirituality just took hold sure. of me. Sure, hey, that, that, that's what works for you and I love that. Yeah, it, it did. It has been. So, but I'm very curious about brain spotting. So you can do it online. That's wonderful yes. to know because I know we live in different places. I'm in Florida, you're in Idaho, yes. I, I believe. Price is Yeah. So there's another question about brain spotting was that can be integrated with other therapeutic modalities. Yes. So yes. We, we don't have to do only brain Correct. spotting. It's just, it's really used to in conjunction with and, 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 you know, as 
supplementing your whatever other modalities you're using, correct? So that's good to know. In my case, supplementing my spiritual practices. (laughs) I mean, it's fascinating to me. I'm really curious about brain spotting now after talking to you as well. So another question, we're almost at the end. I have too many questions here. (laughs) Gosh. Uh, So is brain spotting for everyone and can it be used on children? It can, 100%. You know, the only real contraindications to brain spotting is if a client is under the influence of anything. Of course, we don't do therapy anyway, if anyone's under the influence of anything, any substances or, the, or that type of thing. I mean, I do ask about medication and health history. Um, and then there, there is some debate around pregnancy and whether or not mm. it's um, something that is, you know, good to do um, during pregnancy. Sometimes the emotions that come up for people can be pretty intense. You know, you don't want a lot of cortisol flowing through a pregnant woman's body. Um, so that is something that I, I just really approach from an individual case-by-case basis. But outside of that, yes, children, young children, yeah, adults, all ages. Wow, that's also wonderful to know. So no contraindication, no, there's nothing to, to be concerned no, about. very, very low risk. Yes, but every every therapeutic modality has its risks, you know, and, and brain spotting is just kind of right up there with those. Okay, so that's good to know as well for myself and those listening. To end this interview, I wanted to ask you two questions about this question. Those two questions, they're very similar, but they just came to me recently. I think I should be asking them more often to be more clear with, you know, how to match kind of therapists and clients. So... I guess two questions for you and within that that idea. Who would benefit most from your work as a therapist? And then who would benefit most from your work as a life coach? Well, I would venture to say that they're they're largely going to be very similar. And you know, that's an interesting question. I think the question is really, you know, what are the who are the clients that I can best serve? Because I can't be everybody's therapist. And, um, you know, my approaches, my style of interaction, my modalities, uh-huh. you know, um, yeah. everyone's going to uh-huh. come in with different experiences. I'm also female. I, I'm not a male. Some people might resonate with a male therapist. But I have done a lot of work actually on this question because it's about me kind of identifying who my ideal client is and who I can best help. And and honestly, um, it's kind of been whittled down to for both my therapy clients and my life coach clients is, you know, women women trauma survivors um, who are struggling with those lingering effects of trauma and um, uh, struggling with the subsequent relationship anxiety around that trauma, um, overwhelm in their body, and um, who are just wanting to find some resilience and self-worth and confidence and healthier relationships. And that's sort of my, you know, I work best with those types of people. And, and that's who I am fulfilled serving. You see, that helps a lot. There's something about being clear, even with our own way of serving people, what people would are ready for it, yeah. you know, that specific style, yeah. right? And uh, what we bring, because we are so unique, as you, you kept saying throughout this conversation, yep. that 
But I, I love what you said about women, right? Usually women kind of relate to women better in a way. I think I do. I, I've worked with, you know, many, many, many male clients and I've done some amazing work with them. Um, but I just, I think I feel more fulfilled when, um, you know, I, I work with my female clients and, um, and I just, that's the kind of person I am. And so I want to honor that and, um, and put that energy out, put that word out that, you know, Hey, if you are a woman and you are experiencing these things, you know, I could be a really great fit for you. So Right. Yes. You're coming from your authentic self. So that's self-knowledge. My clients will benefit if I am that way. Ah, oh my God, Susan. Yes. A billion times to that truth. Yes. There's something about, uh, it's almost like we have, we become by being authentic. I usually say the, the evidence, the proof of fulfillment itself. And then we benefit, you know, others and humanity by doing so. there's something about that. And, and of course, this is another topic for another beautiful conversation about the authentic yes. self, the true self. Yes. But for now, I wanted to mention on your website, I, I read there under individual counseling yes. that you mentioned supporting people with their um, spiritual exploration and self-growth. Yes. That was something that, of course, because of my own spiritual practices and views of the world and myself, that caught my attention immediately. The word spiritual yes, any, anywhere good. calls my well, attention. Well, you know, spirituality <laughs> is an incredible resource, incredible resource mm. that I would be remiss yes. if I didn't touch on with my clients and yes. and really in, and foster that within them, whatever that is, mm. you know, that yeah. is a huge resource for healing. And, and I, and I really, I love integrating it into our work. Another beautiful piece to know, to be aware of, yeah. especially coming from me. Well, I love therapists anyway. They feel like a best friend, like talking to a best friend. (laughs) That's what it feels like to me. Because we can talk about anything. And there's something about that that just creates healing in itself, being open to express ourselves. So before we say goodbye for today, I want to end with the, the quote in your bio yes. from Victor, Victor Frankel. Frankel. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, please. Do you have that in front of you, Susan, so you can read it? Oh, I have it here, though. I would love it for you to read oh, it and to make a comment. Oh, <laughs> yes, I, yes. About it. I'm sorry. I get, yeah, let me, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pull it up for you. Author of Man's Search for Meaning, one of my favorite books ever. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Right. Wow. What an empowering yes. quote. Yes. I mean, his life, his legacy, it's, I mean, it's empowerment in itself. Yes, it is. <laughs> Talk to me about that for a moment uh, at the end of our conversation. Yes. Because we interpret these, they are words, they are messages, but we all, we are so unique and we, we interpret everything differently. Yes. How has this message touched you and how did you interpret it? How did you digest it with my body, mind and heart? It represents our empowerment that everything we need to heal is within us. It is not coming from something external from us. We take the external and we respond to it. That's where our empowerment is. That's where our control is. And, and, and 
take having the courage to look inside yourself and say, I have everything I need to heal, right? Even brain spotting uses the, the body's natural healing mechanisms. It's within us. We have the control. We have the power. And that's what that quote means for me. Ah, what is it? See, that's a powerful, insightful message for all of us to be reminded of. Uh, for some of us who know already, have, have been exposed to this knowledge. But then we need to be reminded, it seems to me, I love, it's in, it, it just when I read that quote, it just kind of reminded me of that, of that power within, yeah. just to return to it every yeah. time. Thank you so much, yeah. Susan, for yeah. doing what you do, uh, for so being welcome. so deep and open. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for having me. This is going to be Yeah, amazing. thank you. So I want to, before we say go- goodbye for today, I want to mention your website. So to find Susan, you go to susanmartintherapy.com. That will be on the podcast yeah. notes. It will be there clickable, so it's easy to find. Thank okay. you so much again for Wonderful. your presence, Susan, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Susan Martin and her work, please visit SusanMartinTherapy.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.